I love the songs that Adam chose, and uh, I love his, his com, uh, composition. That's a beautiful new song. It's perfect for the message uh, to love and serve. And some of you may notice that um, I'm wearing a wristband. I'm not making a fashion statement. Um, actually, what it says on here is International Church of Milan, today, love and serve. And you heard, um, you heard uh, Adam that was the chorus of the song that he's composed for this series. And I'm so thankful that you did that. It's perfect. And, uh, you know, uh, I love that we sang Indescribable because that's the only way we will ever truly be able to love and serve is if we understand how Chris Tomlin could write a song like that or Adam, how Adam Davies could write a song like that or how the, the other guy could write a song, How Great Thou Art. I mean, it's understanding that that allows us and enables us to actually live a life of love and service, as Adam said so well in his song. Uh, it's beautiful. Thank you, Adam. Um, there are some things that are simply intuitive. You know what intuitive means, right? Everybody know what that word means? Uh, it, ju- it means the faculty of knowing without the use of rational processes. Okay? It's immediate, in- immediate or instinctive cognition. That's what in, intuition is. Some things you just know, right? You just know it. No one has to teach you this. No one has to instruct you in it. Uh, you just know it. You get it. Uh, intuitive knowledge is so foundational, it's so basic, that it finds its way into the English language in common sayings like, what goes up must come down. I mean, you get that, right? What goes around comes around. You get that. Uh, you can't take it with you. I mean, you get that. No one has to teach you this. You intuitively understand it. And when, you're asked, when your wife asks you if a dress makes her look fat, you know the right answer, right? <laughs> it's intuitive. You have immediate cognition. Immediate cognition. And so these are, these are no-brainer kind of things. They're inherent. We just know it. The thing is, we don't always live by it, do we? We don't always live by this intuitive wisdom that we have. What is the uh, preeminent intuition of man that he ignores and suppresses? What does the Bible tell us? It is that God is there. Romans chapter 1 is very clear. Uh, Every man knows that God is there. God has made man like this, that man should know that God is there. Man is without excuse. It is evident within him, Romans chapter 1 says. So, Man ignores or suppresses, as, as Romans 1 says, man holds down that truth within him. He intuitively knows. He logically knows. In fact, if you ever logically try to, uh, to reason away from God, you really can't. You're always going to end up back at the first cause. This eternal, infinite Creator God. You can't really reason away from Him. And as I've told you many, many times, God doesn't believe in atheists. He's never made one. They don't exist. A man may be a liar, but he's never an atheist. In fact, I had an argument with an atheist this week. And uh, he says, I'm an atheist. I said, no, you're just a liar. You know, we're on friendly terms, of course. Um, We're trying to find that middle ground, you know, that middle ground that we could could share. And I said, no, you're not an atheist. You're a liar. Let's go to Romans chapter 1. And so we talked about these things. God says, I've made it evident within them. What does evident mean? It means that He's easily seen. He's easily understood. He's obvious. He's plain. He's unmistakable. 
This is the preeminent intuition of man. It is in our DNA. And you can suppress it all you want. But this is one reason that man is wholly accountable to God. Because God has made it evident within them they are without excuse. Romans chapter 1. And because God is there, there's this whole another level of intuitive knowledge. Moral, absolute truth. Because He's there and because He is who He is, we know that stealing is wrong. No one has to teach us that stealing is wrong. We inherently know it's wrong. And we know honesty is, is right. We know adultery is wrong. No one has to teach us this. Our heart tells us this. We know it's wrong. Fidelity is right. God has wired us like this. We have an instinctive grasp of moral, absolute moral truth. For the non-Christian, God is there. He just doesn't care that God is there. He knows that God is there, but He, uses, he, suppresses, uh, he suppresses that truth within Him. It's not an intellectual issue. It's a moral issue. He does not want to submit to the Lordship of His Creator God. For the unregenerate Christian, and you've heard me use this phrase before, I'm talking about the, the Christian who is simply a church member. They're not really born again. They don't really love Christ. They just do religion. God is there, but they simply do religion. Right? And they're not in love with God so much as they are with their own self-righteousness and their performance before the Lord. Now for the regenerate Christian, the born-again Christian, God is there and oh, He's in awe. And here's where I want to get to today. <laughs> this is why we can love and serve. Because we're in awe of this beautiful, awesome God. What did Chris Tomlin say? <laughs> and I wish I had your words. I wish I had your words on my... I just don't have them with me. Uh, but what did Chris Tomlin say? Every creature unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming. All exclaiming. About this indescribable Awesome God, the born-again Christian. 2 uh, Corinthians 4, 6, For God has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in Christ. We've seen Him. We've glimpsed Him. And you know what we know? If we've really seen Christ, if we've really been born again, you know what we know? We know that nothing is ever going to be the same again. We know that nothing for the rest of our life is ever going to be the same. Every day it's never going to be the same. Because He is who He is. He changes everything. Yes, we still live in a fallen world. Yes, we still do battle with our sin nature. Yes, we still have a lot of fleshly uh, habits to unlearn. But we have seen Christ and we are being changed as we behold His glory in His Word. And as the Holy Spirit teaches us, everything has changed. Everything for every day has changed for the rest of our life. Now, what led me to get into this series was our, our 20 uh, sermon series on 1 John. And we know that 1 John is the book of assurance. We've talked about this for the last half year. 1 John is the book of assurance. If you want to know what a Christian looks like, just look at 1 John. If you look into 1 John and you see your reflection coming back, back at you, uh, you're a Christian. If you're living like that, what were the three primary emphases of 1 John? Uh, the hallmarks of a true Christian? We believe the testimony of the Bible. We believe that Jesus is, is the Son of God. What else? We obey, albeit not perfectly, but we obey the Word of God. And what was the third one that God just kept saying and saying and saying and saying? 
Love the brethren. Amen. Good. We have, some po- we have people listening. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> we love the brethren. A real Christian will love the brethren. It's intuitive. It's instinctive. It's reflexive. It, it's reflexive. The real Christian will love the brethren. And I want to spend the next few weeks talking about this. You remember what John said in 1 John 16? Um, pardon me, and uh, I, don't have the, I don't have the correct reference here. I've got a typo. But you remember in 1 John, God says this, We know love by this, that He laid down His life, talking about Jesus for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Let us not love with word and tongue, but what? Does anyone remember? Indeed and truth. It's not just syrupy words on Sunday. It's deed and truth. So how do we lay down our lives? We know we're not going to be martyred in Western Europe or in America. The chances of, of us being martyred are extremely small. Martyrdom is still real in the world, but not where we live. So how, how, how do we lay down our life? By loving and serving the brethren. That's what God is calling us to, friends. By loving and serving the brethren. It's one of the hallmarks of authentic Christianity, and I want to talk about that uh, today and as we go forward. It's blood, sweat, and tears love on Monday and Tuesday. Okay? It's expensive, costly, inconvenient love on Wednesday and Thursday, and it's roll up your sleeve and go to work love on Friday and Saturday. We're not just talking about uh, doing church on Sunday and pretty words on Sunday. We're talking about that costly, inconvenient love that the Christian uh, engages in, in the body, for the whole of his life. If we are brand new Christians, even if we don't know anything about the Bible, we instinctively know God's calling us to live like this. We know it. It's instinctive within our born-again nature. We know we're supposed to live like this. We know we're supposed to love like this. We know we're supposed to serve the brethren. We're supposed to lay down our lives for the brethren. We know it. Let me ask you, Christian friends, I know you know it. If you're born again today, I know you know it. Let me ask you, are you doing it? Are you loving the brethren like God has called us to love the brethren? I'm going to call you in the coming weeks to take your Christianity uh, maybe more seriously than you ever have before. As we kind of flesh out what this is supposed to look like for the believer, I'm going to call you to extravagantly and radically love your Christian brethren. I'm going to call you to use your gifts in the body. I'm going to call you to love them when, when, when it's really, really hard and when it really, really costs a lot. And I'm going to call you to serve them. I'm going to call you to serve the body of Christ. Maybe like you've never served the body of Christ before. 1 John uh, 2.6, remember what it said, the one who says he abides in Jesus ought himself to walk in the same manner as Jesus walked. This is how Jesus walked. He loved and He served. And this is what I'm going to call you to in the coming weeks. So how do we live a life like this? Where do we get the emotional stamina to actually live a life like this? How do we break through the innate selfishness that, that we all struggle with every morning when we wake up? It's not easy. If you've ever tried, you know it's not easy. It's not normal. In fact, it's supernatural, right? It's not natural. It's supernatural. It's supernatural. 
So how do we do these things? It's all about what Jim read in Romans chapter 11, verse 33. And uh, I'm not actually going to exposit the text today, but I'm using it to make my point uh, for loving and serving. The only fuel that will enable us to love and serve God is genuine worship. That's the only fuel that will sustain a life of love and service. Um, You can't do it any other way. And Paul writes these first 11 chapters of of Romans, and and it's about the mercies of God, the profound and abundant and manifold mercies of God. Yes, it's true, God has loved us like this. Yes, it's true, we were once enemies, but now we're co-heirs. Yes, it's true, and Paul can't believe it, and he gets to, to the end of chapter 11, and he goes, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God! Exclamation point. He can't resist, and he breaks out into doxology. Doxology is simply a big word for praise. And friends, (laughs) if you've really understood the gospel, if you're born again, you understand about this O in Romans chapter 11, verse 33. It's It's like Paul has this explosion of worship. How unsearchable are my God's judgments and how unfathomable are my God's ways. Is it really true that He loves me like this? Yes, it is. And if we understand this, we will understand this O in Romans 11.33. It is the only fuel by which we can truly love and serve the brethren. Now, we can perform to some degree. You know, church members, unregenerate uh, Christians, those who just simply claim to be Christians, you know, they're just on a church roll somewhere. You know, they can perform every once in a while and do a good thing here and a good thing here. But if you're really going to be a 24-7 Christian, there's only one fuel that will work, and that's being in a real relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only way you can fuel the kind of life that God is calling us to. And what I want you to see from 11 chapters of the most awesome theology in all the Bible, we see this bridge of Romans 11, 33 and 36, where Paul breaks out into doxology. Okay, theo- biblical theology will always yield up doxology, and doxology will yield up what? Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, brethren, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. <laughs> right? If we've really understood biblical theology... Yes, our God loves us like this. Yes, our God is unbelievably awesome. Yes, He's indescribable. Yes, He's uncontainable. Yes, it's unbelievable how He's loved us. If we've understood biblical theology, we can't help but break out into doxology, and doxology will lead into a life of laying ourselves down for the brethren, laying ourselves down for the church, laying ourselves down uh, for the cause of evangelism in the world. This is the ground we have to stand on if we're really going to love and serve the body. Friends, you can't just have an emotional experience and go out and do this. You will not uh, last very long. Your ground has to be God. Your ground has to be worship. Your ground has to be the O in Romans 11, 33. Paul says, See how awesome our salvation is. And then as we move into chapter 12, verse 1, he says, now I want you to go live it. I want you to incarnate this doxology. Incarnate your praise. How do we incarnate our praise? How do we do it? By laying our lives down for the body. Laying our lives down for the brethren. 
in love and in service to them. Romans 12, 1 had to say this, right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? If you're a Christian here this morning, you know what I'm talking about. Romans 12, 1 had to say this. It could not not say this. It's instinctive. We knew that God was going to call us to live like Jesus did. Right? It was instinctive. It was intuitive. It's a reflexive thing. We knew that we were going to get called to this. In fact, we want to get called to this because of the awe and the worship that fills our hearts. We could have written, the born-again believer could have written Romans 12, 1 and 2. It's the instinctive intuitive reaction to this awesome biblical gospel and this awesome, awesome salvation that God has provided for His people. Romans chapter 12 through 15, in those chapters, Paul answers the question of the psalmist in 116.12. You remember the, the psalmist says, what shall I render to the Lord for all His benefits toward me? Isn't that beautiful? What shall I render to the Lord? Here it is, a life of love and a life of service. A life of love and service. I love... In fact, the King James says, this is your reasonable service. The ISV says, this is the reasonable way for you to worship. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy. W-H-E. O-L-L-Y. Holy. I love how the message paraphrases 12.1. Listen to this. The message paraphrases it like this. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your, uh, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Don't you love that? Take your everyday life and give it to the Lord. We knew that, we knew that Romans 12.1 and 2 would have to come after Romans uh, chapters 1 through 11. And what does God say? Present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice um, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Friends, uh, you know, martyrdom's not going to be our normative experience in the West. It's just not going to be. We're not called to die for Christ so much as we're called to live for Christ. And here's the call. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, we're to present our bodies, our eyes, our tongues, our ears, our hands, our feet, our arms, our legs, our fingers, our sexuality, our minds, our hearts, to Christ. We talked about it last week when we talked about immersion baptism. We immerse because conversion, one reason, it's a word picture, it's a word picture of true conversion. Head to toe, right? We talked about it last week. We're His head to toe. We're Christ from head to toe. And this is what God is calling us to. To worship Him head to toe. To, to worship Him 24-7 head to toe. Paul goes through all of this, all of this uh, theology in one through, uh, chapters 1-11. through 11, Then he says, therefore. We knew that it had to be there, right? We instinctively knew it had to be there. Therefore. How do we react? How do we respond? We give our lives away to Christ. We give our lives away to Christ. And we love His body and we serve His body. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20. You know it's a very, very familiar passage. Paul says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, 
who you have from God and that you are what? Does anybody know? You are not your own. (laughs) Don't you love that? You are not your own for you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. You are not your own. We knew it. We instinctively knew it. We'd read Romans chapter 1 through 11 and we knew it. We know we don't, we're not ours anymore. We don't belong to ourselves anymore. We belong to Him. And we wholly give our lives to Him. We present our bodies as living sacrifice. He is the fuel by which we will love and serve the body of Christ and be used of God to evangelize the lost. It is Him. You know, I had a, my missions professor in seminary. Uh, he'd been in Brazil for a long, long time, you know, and he says, I went down there because I loved them. I love those people. And that's good. But you know what? After a couple of years, he didn't like them. He didn't like any of them. He didn't like any of those people. Because it was hard work where he was. And he was empty. He was running on natural love. Friends, the, the only way we can love and serve the body of Christ, the only way we can really do it, is if we're in love with God. <laughs> that's the only way it's ever going to work, is if we're in love with Him. In fact, he's back down there now. He says, I realized I had it wrong. I first have to love God before I can love anyone else in a very real and tangible and meaningful way. He's back in Brazil now. He's back in Brazil loving the brethren as he has learned to first love Christ. I love how Piper talks about this you are not your own thing. He says, our bodies are given to us to make visible the beauty of Christ. Let me ask you, Christian friend, is that how you think about your body? That your body... Uh, has been given to you that you may make known and magnify the beauty of Jesus Christ? Is this uh, part of your thinking process? We are to live for Him 24-7 and we are to live for Him wholly, head to toe. So how do we do this? How do we live like this? Romans chapter 12, 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove... uh, what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. You can't do Romans 12.1 if you think like the world. It's never going to (laughs) work. You can't think like the world. You can't prioritize like the world. You can't conform to the world and be able to do this whole 12.1 thing which is to give yourself away in worship. Give yourself away in obedience. Give yourself away in love. Give yourself away in service. It's not going to happen if you're still thinking like the world. The mind of fallen man is not a God-worshipping mind. It is a self-absorbed mind, a self-consumed mind, a vain and egotistical mind. And if you're honest with me and I'm honest with you, you know we all struggle with this. We still have our, our fallen nature within us and we still struggle with this innate selfishness that we have. So if we're going to conform to the world and think like the world, there's no hope we're ever going to do Romans 12.1. No hope. But Paul says we're to be uh, transformed by the renewing of our mind. I love this Greek word here. It's uh, metamorpho. And of course, you know where we get the word metamorphosis from. It's the same word that was used to describe the transfiguration of Jesus before uh, Peter, James, and John. This, dr- this dramatic transformation. And that's what, that's what God is talking to us about here. You've got you've to change the way you think if you're ever going to really love and serve my body. 
If you're ever going to really present, if you're ever really going to do it. You know, again, I go back to this a lot. You know, we can play church our whole life, but if we're talking about really loving and serving the body of Christ, really pouring our lives out, God says, you can't think like the world. The world doesn't get this. The world doesn't understand this. You've got to be changed. And I love what John Piper says about this. It's so beautiful. He says, he says, the genuine Christian, the sold out Christian, will devote his life to being changed. How many times do you hear Adam and I pray it when we, when we begin a service, Lord, change us. Friends, every time you go into the Word of God, you need to be asking Him to change you. You need to be asking Him to change you by the power of His Word, through the work of His Spirit. Metamorpho, to be changed. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.16, that we might have the mind of Christ. Let me ask you, Christian friend, if you're here today and, and you're a Christian, do you have the mind of Christ? Are you expending energy to have the mind of Christ? Are you pursuing the mind of Christ? Are you devoted to having the mind of Christ? Piper says, Christians devote their lives to being changed. They don't throw, throw away their spiritual birthright by coasting. Isn't that, a, isn't that a challenge? Let me ask you, friend. Are you coasting in your Christian life? Are you coasting in your hunger and thirst in pursuit of Christ? God says we need to be changed. We need to be changed if we're going to live like He's called us to live. We need to expend energy and devote our lives and be proactive in being transformed. Ephesians 4.22 We are to lay aside the old self to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self which is in the likeness of God. Let me ask you, friend, are you doing this? Is this something you're doing in your Christian life? Are you laying aside the old self and putting on the new self? This is not something that happens uh, mindlessly. This is something you must be proactive in. As we've said so many, many times, we cooperate with the sanctification of the Holy Spirit, the work He's doing in us. We must cooperate with what He's doing. And it's the Word of God that transforms us. This is why we, we preach the Word of God. This is why we teach our children the Word of God. This is why we have three women's Bible studies and a man's Bible study and a young adult's Bible study and a youth Bible study because it's the Bible that changes our lives. As It's the Word of God as the Holy Spirit brings it alive to us. And as we, as we gaze upon the excellencies of Christ in His Word, we knew that Romans 12.1 would have to follow the first 11 chapters. We knew it. Because we're worshiping already. How do we vent this worship? How do we vent this worship for this awesome God who's loved us in this awesome way? By serving the body. By serving the body. God is the only viable fuel to live this kind of life. And this is one thing that that's implicit in what we see here on the pages of Scripture. Because Paul writes all this awesome theology. He breaks out into doxology. And then in chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14, chapter 15, he says, go live it. He says, go live this theology. And he exhorts us for the next several chapters. He exhorts us. Let me just give you some examples. Chapter 12, verse 3. Do not think more highly of oneself than one ought. Let me ask you, friend. Are you thinking more highly of yourself than you should? If, if you're thinking like the world, you are. If you have the mind of Christ, you aren't. 
Pretty simple, huh? Uh, Romans 12, 6. Exercise your gifts in the body. Let me ask you, brothers and sisters, are you exercising your gifts in the body? God calls you to. Verse 9 of chapter 12. To love without hypocrisy. Are you loving without hypocrisy? Christian friend, we, didn't we know it? Didn't we know that God was going to call us to this kind of life? Didn't we know, don't we know we're supposed to live like this? Uh, 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 10. We're to be devoted to one another uh, in brotherly love. Is that what it says? In brotherly love, yes. Giving preference to one another. Friends, is this how you prosecute your life in the body? Are you loving the brethren? Uh, are you giving preference to your brothers and your sisters in Christ? We serve the Lord. Verse 11, we serve the Lord. Verse 12 of chapter 12, we rejoice in hope and we persevere in tribulation. We don't think like the world. The world gives up. The world uh, wrings its hands. The world bemoans its circumstance. We don't do that. We don't do that. We persevere in tribulation because our hope is in the living God. Just one more and I'll stop because I could go on and on. Uh, verse 13 of chapter 12. We contribute to the needs of the saints. Friends, it does me no good to exhort you to love the body of Christ. I mean, I'm wasting my time if you don't love God because you can't do it. You could perform for a little while, but you don't have the spiritual stamina to really love like God calls us to love unless you're drawing down the love of Jesus. <laughs> unless you're drawing it down in prayer and you're drawing it down as you study the Word of God. You can't do it. It's impossible. Impossible. It's impossible. It can't happen. Unless you're giving yourself to the study of the Word and you're giving yourself as a, what does Paul say, as a living sacrifice acceptable to God. How does Chris Tomlin write a song like Indescribable? Because he understands. Romans 11.33. He gets the whole O thing. He can't help it. He can't help it. This is how it's supposed to be for us, friends. If, if we're spending time with God, if we know Him, if we are in relationship with Him, how does this Carl Bowberry write, uh, How Great Thou Art? How does uh, Henry Van Dyke write, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee? How does Adam Davies write, What? The Love of God. How do, we, how does, how do these men do these things? Because they've understood Romans 1-11 through 11 and they can't believe it. God loves them like this. And they get that whole O thing. And it's all about worship. And some of you may be saying to me, well, Jim, I don't have anything to offer the body of Christ. Wrong. You're calling God a liar. God says He's gifted every one of you to serve the body of Christ. Let me ask you, Christian friend, are you serving and loving the body of Christ with your gifts? Or you say, well, I have too many of my own problems. Uh, to, to really love and serve the body. Wrong. If, if you're only uh, looking at your own problems, then you're, you're cutting yourself off from the joy that will swallow up your own problems as you love and serve the body of Christ. Some of you may be saying, well, I don't have enough time. Wrong. You do have enough time. You just need to reprioritize your life. You're letting lesser things, uh, you're letting lesser things crowd out the God things. You have plenty of time. It's just a matter of how you prioritize that time. Beloved, this is a big deal with God. This is a big deal with God. 
And it needs to be a big deal with us. He's left us here not to coast, not to play church, not to be self-absorbed, but to love Him and to love His body and to serve it. And the whole world is supposed to see it. You know, the historians tell us, the church historians tell us that one reason the, the first century church exploded the way it did is because it really loved and served one another and the unbelieving world saw it and it was irresistible to them. This is supposed to be a fundamental part of our evangelism. As I love you and you love me, this is evangelism. The world's supposed to see it. They're supposed to see that it's real, that it's different. And men and women will believe through simply us loving one another. It's evangelism, friends. At the heart, it's evangelism. So I'm going to be calling you to this the next few weeks. And I want you to know, and you already know this, it's, ne it's never easy, it's never convenient, and it's pretty much always messy. You know, when you, when you love and serve like this, when you really sell yourself out to this. But it's what God has called us to do. And we knew it. We knew it when we heard the Gospel. We knew it when we saw Him. We knew it when we watched how He modeled uh, love and service on the pages of Scripture. It was instinctive. It was, it was intuitive. It was reflexive. We knew we're supposed to live like this. And I'm just going to ask you, and I'm going to challenge you for these next few weeks to live like this. I want you to take your Christianity more seriously than you ever have before. And I want you to love this body and serve this body. And if you're moving on, I want you to, wherever you move on to, I want you to love that body and serve that body. 24-7, head to toe. That's what God's calling us to. That's what He's calling us to. To love and serve Jesus. To love and serve the body of Christ. To love and serve our spouses. To love and serve children, the children that are here, to love and serve your parents, uh, to love and serve our children, our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors, to incarnate the worship of Jesus Christ that fills our hearts. Now, I have a little visual aid here. And, you know, I don't like gimmicks. You've never seen me do a gimmick. This is not a gimmick. But you know what? I've been wearing mine uh, off and on and... <laughs> You know, Karen will say, Jim, I want you to go do that. And I don't want to go do that. I don't want to. I want to do what I'm doing. <laughs> and it says, today, love and serve. You know, my, my fleshly instincts, probably just like yours, maybe you're more spiritual than me, but my first instinct is no. I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to serve someone. I mean, if we're just honest, it's not always natural. Lord willing, as we mature, it becomes more and more natural, right? But this is not a gimmick. And you may not be the kind of person that's feel comfortable wearing a wristband. You don't have to wear a wristband. But I'd like for you to take one, you know? Take one and put it somewhere where you see it every day. And it just says, today, love and serve. Love and serve today. That's why you're here today. You're not here to make a lot of money. That's not preeminently why you're here. You're not here to make a name for yourself. You're not here to, be, to live in comfort and ease. You're not here to hoard up a bunch of money for yourself. You're here to love and serve the body of Christ. That's why you're here. That's why God's left us here. That's why we're here. And I want to exhort you, Christian friend. I want to exhort you because here's where your joy is. Here's where your joy is. As you love and serve the body. So I'm going to put these uh, 
these little things. I'll put some over here. And if you'd like to take one, please take one. If, you know, if you're not into that, that's cool. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, but I'll be honest with you. It's helped me a little bit as I work during the day. And the phone rings and I go, I don't want to talk to this person right now. I don't want to talk to them. I'm, I, I, I'm really on a roll here. I don't want to talk to this person right now. And I go, yeah, I got plenty of time. <laughs> what can I do for you? So, I want us to, to learn to think this way. It's just a simple thing. It's just a simple thing to maybe help us love and serve. Let's pray together. Father, we knew that Romans 12, 1 and 2 had to say what they say. We knew it. We knew it. That we were once enemies and now we're co-heirs. <laughs> How could our hearts not be full? How could our hearts not need an outlet for all of this praise that is in our hearts, for this beautiful God for this beautiful gospel we knew it had to be this way we knew we know we're supposed to live like this we know this is what you're telling us to do we know this is what you've called us to do we know this is why you've left us on the earth that we pre present our bodies as a living sacrifice holy holy and acceptable unto you that we might be renewed by the trans transformation of our minds as we spend time with You and in Your Word. And as we obey Your command to love one another as You have loved us. Lord, teach us about these things. I pray that You will send a, an awakening uh, amongst us. That we might really grasp this truth in a greater, uh, to a greater degree than we ever have before. That we might, we might abandon ourselves to love and serving the brethren that we might use our gifts in the body, that we might uh, clean up our cluttered schedule so we'll have time to minister, that we might not be so self-absorbed with our own personal problems, that we could, we could uh, minister to those who others who have problems. And Father, that our own personal problems just get swallowed up in the joy of loving and serving. God, we pray that You'll teach us these things. Teach us these things, Father. Write them on our hearts. Write them on our hearts. And we'll give all praise and glory and honor to the name of Jesus, in whose name I pray. Amen. Let's see.
Okay, guys, the, one, the bag on the left is for adults, and the bag on the right is for youth or for women who want to wear one of those. So, uh, there they are. You know, no big deal, no pressure, but there they are. Go love and serve the body this week. God bless. I would like the CD from last week, please. Okay, you got I it. Have to pa- I have to pass it on. So. Okay, great. Yeah. I have something from our custodian, Bailey Monwell, to help us out there. Yeah. They will probably be there. I know Jim was telling me. Jim was telling me. That's excited good. about it. That's awesome. That is exciting. She was really was excited. And I said, you know, you and your husband and your daughter. And she said, he can come with me. And I said, yeah. Cool. That's awesome. It was, it was just her excitement. She was lit up. <laughs> That's great. I'm excited about it. Good, thanks, bro. Good job, man. Enjoyed that. Well done. Well done. You're not here next week, right? Okay. The week after. Okay. But I think what we can do is record a little sort of sort of bit for closing the sermon as well. Okay. Okay. Because I think if we kind of do that, next yeah, week's really good. Yeah, it's a great song for the series. So. so. Cool. Thanks for letting me. I loved it, man. Well done. Uh,